The Code of the Hammurabi. Are you familiar with it? I am very familiar with the Hammurabi Code. You are. All right. I was wondering. (laughs) Tell me what you know. Oh, God. Now I'm drawing back to like freshman year. So if I remember right, it is the first set of laws that we have record of, right? The first written set of laws. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, found in Babylon. Mesopotamia, right? Yes, exactly. In the yep. Mesopotamia. Human civilization is thought to have sprung from the Mesopotamia. Like that's where modern ideals of human civilization came from. And the first written laws were written literally on this giant statue, the stele, that had the king of Hammurabi of Babylon's code for conduct in Mesopotamia at the time. And I think it had punishments on there too. So it was like, if like these are like the going rates for like wheat and chicken eggs or something like that. And then it was like, by the way, if your husband or wife commits adultery, then throw them into the lake or something like that. <laughs> yes. I, I, this is such a divergent, but I'm so glad you brought that up. So absolutely. I mean, law and punishment, the term lex tenalius, which means an eye for an eye, which you will later find in the Christian Bible, is on this tome. I mean, is literally featured in the original code here. So Yeah, it's like legitimately, if you guys have not heard of the Hanarabi Code, I recommend you at least do some basic research into it because it is really fucking fascinating. It's extremely fascinating. And so I'm going to tell you something about the Hammurabi Code that I think you will find especially fascinating. And that is the Selzikram, which in the Sumerian language means woman, man, or male daughter. And this was a particular set of codes that provided for legal status of a biologically female person to receive inheritance within their family in order to be able to live on the legacy of their family. Yeah, I do actually remember this. This was one of the most fascinating things that I found when reading about the Hanarabi Code was this like fascinating laws and rules about how, you know, because women, of course, were not they were expected to lean on men for the majority of their living, but there were rules and laws regarding, like, if your husband died and you were, like, you didn't have any sons, then, you know, and you were the wife, then you'd be accepting that inheritance and stuff. And, like, just this really fascinating workaround, basically, that they had for this. Well, and such a workaround, such that it created essentially trans men in ancient Mesopotamia because the person in the scenario would be able to inherit the rights of the dowry, inherit their father's property, but they also were expected to take a patriarchal role within that society. And so they needed to take a a male-dominant role in Mesopotamia in order to be able to receive that inheritance. And so they, um, they were able to marry women and they were able to adopt children. And that was the rule of law in order to create this standard that if you did not have a male heir, you had this other way to be able to provide for your family. Isn't it so funny when history, specifically like Mesopotamia and sort of just the River Valley in general, has better laws regarding homosexuality, women loving women, adoption, and you know, trans men that even our modern society can't seem to get right. 
Well, we've said it before, but this whole idea that being trans is a modern idea and that this is this is something that's brand new and it's made up by the internet <laughs> and it's being forced on our children. But look on back to literally the first recorded laws in the world that obviously <laughs> influenced the Bible, and you will find that the idea of gender roles and how we identify in our gender far, far predates anything in modern time. cisgender man learning how to support it. So we're so excited today. We have my longtime friend, Sean Hayes. My recent friend. Just want to point that out. Recent friend. <laughs> yes. For Anna. Just a wonderful part of the Twin Ports trans community and one of the co-founders of Trans Plus Minnesota. Welcome, Sean. Thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Thanks for the invite. Well, you've been on our list <laughs> yeah, from the very beginning say, of this podcast. We've been podcast, trying to get so. you on for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> we finally made it happen. Yeah, and, and I'm such a fan. You know, I've mentioned this multiple times on the podcast, but you were the very first person in my life who openly transitioned. At the time, I was serving on the board of a nonprofit that you happen to be an employee for, and it was such an important part of my being a better ally for Anna that I had you in my life. And so again, I want to thank you for your patience with me and, and being that very first person in the world of transgender people. Yeah. Wow. Well, whew. yeah, I do have to say in my, in my memories, I do remember him, especially like the first few times that we talked about my being trans, he would always bring you up and he was like, you, Sean, Sean is a really good resource. And I was like, I'm going to sit over here now. Yeah. Oh. So it's, it's really nice to be able to like actually get to meet you and talk to you and, you know, engage in the trans community a little bit more. So yes. And we love thanks, to have thanks you for opening the door for me. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, I I am so privileged and honored to be able to be that person for so many people. and. And it's really only because someone was there for me at the time who was in the community, uh, Natalie Crowley, who many folks in this community still know and love and care about, even though she's moved on from Duluth here. And, you know, again, it's like that that first connection, that that person who finally like sits down with you and hears your story and you're like, that's it. That's my like, I hear my story in yours. Like that's oh, I'm getting goosebumps. It's like so powerful and then to be able to turn around and do that for other folks you know it's like i mean it's my calling i think in life and it's it brings my heart so much joy so it's an honor we got to keep passing that torch along that's right i think that's a really good segue into kind of the broadest question that we have for you today which is can you tell us about your transition and just you know what was what was this experience like for you and you know what what do you want to impart as a spiritual guide of the trans community our uh, one that, broad question yeah. for you basically explain everything about your transition in life can you just explain everything about who you are i yeah. love it i love it yeah um i remember uh that was something years 
thousand years ago, people who I would meet and get together with, that was like one of my first questions I would always hit people with is like, tell me your life story. Uh, and they kind of like give you like the what, what? And I'm like, I mean, whatever you want to share of it, of course. <laughs> like, I just want to get to know you deeper, you know? And right. Yeah. So I love it. I love it. Um, goodness. Yeah. Where to begin? You know, I think usually where I start is where I sort of noticed and, and was having questions come up in my life, you know, and it was kind of in like my early to mid 20s when I was sort of starting to figure some things out with my gender identity and, and how I was showing up in the world and how people were perceiving me. It was around my mid 20s when I just there were those voices and those questions in my head that just kept getting louder and louder. And I just had to like, try to figure it out. You know, I was like in that sort of exploration mode. I remember at the time I was in a relationship, you know, just like making little comments here or there about like, gosh, I, there's just something about this body that I'm in that doesn't feel right. And then that person being like, well, I don't really get that. Like, I don't see that. I see you as this person. And just little things like that, that people would say when I sort of would kind of put a question out there. And so a little bit of a deterrence for me, you know, that kind of kept me kind of living that life that felt, you know, not quite right for me. And I remember it was actually um, my first partner ever who, you know, years and years ago we were together and we've, you know, stayed friends, um, which has been lovely. And she's out in California now. And I remember her and I were on the phone talking on the phone. Like, do people still do that? I don't know. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising actually i think we're making a return to uh to phone relationships yeah i think after the pandemic and everybody was on zoom we yeah. were like okay phones are better let's go back to phones let's do that <laughs> let's, let's talk on the phone <laughs> <laughs> totally oh my goodness yeah i'm like dating myself but yeah i remember being out in my backyard we were talking on the phone and i was kind of describing some of this, these things to her and she was kind of that next person that i was sort of trying to like test the waters and be like, do you know what the heck is going on with me? Like, what is this? Um, looking for answers. And she said to me, you know, have you ever considered that you might be transgender? And that was literally the first time I had heard that word. Um, and I was, wow. gosh, I would have been about 25 at the time. Oh, you know, I grew God. up in a very religious, uh, conservative home. And so, you know, we didn't, I didn't learn about the LGBT community. Like I remember the first like queer person I saw was on TV, Dawson's Creek. If anyone remembers that Jack from Dawson's Creek, but that was like, I didn't know anything. There's a certain percentage of our audience that absolutely knows what <laughs> Dawson Creek is. So you're, you're oh, good. That's here. right. <laughs> um, yeah. And so just having no access or education about what it meant to be queer or gay or trans and so when she said that, I was like, what? I don't know what that is. And that really began like my deep dive uh, into YouTube. Thank goodness for YouTube and like all of these platforms that have sprung up now where folks are like both of you, like sharing stories and like reaching masses who like otherwise might not have ever been able to connect and realize um, for themselves that there's this gender thing that they can consider and be curious about in their own lives and yeah so that was the beginning i found a couple of trans guys on youtube and i was like oh my gosh like i think the very first thing i watched was like 
I don't even, I suppose people still do this, but like, it was like a photo slideshow YouTube video of like this one guy's transition from like very first, you know, and on. And I watched that video. I don't even know how many times. And I was just like, how is this even possible? Like, could this be possible for me? Yeah. I think once I like learned, began dreaming, I was like, okay, I'm not going to like let people hold me back from this anymore. This feels really good. This feels really authentic. And I'm going to keep exploring this. No, Ada's having some visceral reactions now. So <laughs> Damn, Sean. Holy shit. I understand completely. Like, I... I have vivid memories. So I didn't have anybody to be like, hey, you're trans or something like that. Like I did my own research and everything when I was very young. But I remember finding a YouTube video very similar of a news story about a trans girl who was like, I don't know, my same age at the time, like a little bit younger, maybe like 10, 11, 12. And, um, you know, she was like starting her transition and going on puberty blockers. And, you know, like they were talking about all these things that the parents had dealt with as she was growing up. And I was like, oh, (laughs) you know, maybe I should take a look into this. And so, you know, like I, I really, I really understand that, you know, finding that YouTube video that you go back to over and over and over again. And you're like, this is me. This is, you know, like, I feel this. Totally. It's the best. (laughs) So, Sean. You have been a big player in the trans community for as long as I have known. You know, when did you actually like start your transition? It sounds like you kind of learned about what trans might be at around 25. And I'm just curious to kind of hear how your transition has progressed along. Yeah, awesome. Um, Thanks for asking. It it feels good to like talk about my story. So thanks for that. Uh, And it's really great to hear like bits and pieces of your stories as well. So I love that. But yeah, so continuing on in the Sean saga, uh, let's see, I was like 27 years old. So it was the very end of 2014. It was December. It was snowy. It was late at night. I'm about to start a novel, it sounds like. But <laughs> I was... <laughs> yeah. The snow you was, really set the stage for this one. The I snow like was lightly, you know, falling. Um, no, and um, me and my... Like a cup of hot chalky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been better if I had. But um, <laughs> no, my, my now wife, Amy, and I were laying in bed and it was super late and we were just kind of chatting probably about, you know, where I was at with all of this. And I met Amy actually, as I was kind of just starting like to be like, I am trans, but I hadn't actually said that. Like I hadn't like fully come to terms with that, but I was close. And so we connected and she was like the most lovely person. She just like was along for the ride and like was super supportive and, you know, would never say like, well, I think you should do this or that. She was always like, what do you think? You know? And was lovely and so we're laying there it's late and I just remember being like terrified and I whispered I'm trans (laughs) and Amy goes what (laughs) like like she totally heard me you know but she was prompting me you know and she's like what and I'm like I'm trans and she's like I what 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 was that and I'm like I'm trans and she was like oh my god that's so great you know and so it's this whole moment and it's like cemented forever that's so sweet in my memory uh, yes. as just this like yeah it's like you know when you're standing on the edge of a cliff and you're like am I gonna fall into the abyss and this person I care about is gonna like abandon me or you know whatever and yeah and yeah so it was like that first 
person who affirmed me and was like, I see you, like, I see it. It's been Sean this whole time. And like, now you're seeing it. So yeah, it was such a cool moment. And so then, yeah, I, I often, how I share my story is like the first thing I was thinking about after, like I had that moment was like, uh, now what, like, what the heck do I do? (laughs) What, what's, you know, like I need like, you know, someone to guide me through this process, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. And, and it was through like a series of friends that I actually connected with Natalie Crowley, a lovely person who was basically doing a lot of what I do now in the community before me, before I was around. And, and she connected with me, we met up at Amazing Grace in Canal Park. And Amy and I and her sat down and she shared her story with me. And, and then she listened to me talk about my, you know, what I understood at that point, this jumbled rambly mess, I'm sure. And she was so graceful and kind. (laughs) And she was like, Hey, look, okay. So there's this group. It's called the Lake Superior Transgender Group. I'm kind of a part of it. You know, she was facilitating it and Um, And at the time she had shared with us that day that the group really hadn't been functioning. They hadn't really been able to hold meetings um, just because of her capacity and others were just like burnt out, you know? And so she was like, you know, sorry, but like I can connect you with some of these other folks in the community. And so I met up with like four or five trans folks and it was like, like, again, just mind blowing to like meet people who like get it. And (laughs) yeah, and we sat down one evening uh, in the spring of 2015 at the building for women, a group of us. And we were like, okay, we got to get this group back going. Like, what's the plan? What are we doing? Is it like spirit transgender group? Is it something new? And, and that night is basically where trans plus was created with that group of people. And the rest is history and future. It's amazing. I love to hear that. I mean, like, you know, I think that really what it does take is getting to be around people who do know what's going on and everything. So, you know, thank you so much for sharing your story, especially with me and with our listeners. Like, you know, I I think that's really important for everybody around us to hear. I think it really is, too. That's right. Yeah, all of our all of our stories are so unique and and yet there's always like those connections there's always multiple connections even if we're coming from different families and communities and cultures and yeah those connections are huge it's like what fuels my hope and keeps me going do you like to save money i know i do that's why i've started using upside Upside is an app that gives you cash back on your everyday purchases. I personally save up to 22 cents per gallon on gas, and there are deals for up to 30% back at restaurants. And if you use our offer code, you can save an additional 15 cents per gallon on your first gas purchase and support the transgender while you're at it. Just go to Upside.com to get the app and use offer code Cameron 634 Nine three six. That's C A M E R O N six three four nine three six to get fifteen more cents off when you fill up your tank. Make your dollars go further with cashback from Upside. 
So you're talking about those connections and, you know, I don't want to tear off any band-aids for you that are so so please stop me if if uh i'm digging too deep here but you know a crux of our podcast because your listener is talking about caregiver support and you know just how to be better allies and i think i know from your story that maybe that has not been a part of your experience so is there anything you just want to share about what you wish caregivers had provided in your life or what that looks like yeah that is a good question Yeah, I had a challenging time with my family when I came out and my story, you know, was a lot like other folks. I actually sort of had my first coming out when I was a little bit younger, around 18. And I came out at that time thinking I was a lesbian because I knew that I was attracted to women and I didn't know anything else other than that. And so that was like, okay, this feels kind of right. So I sort of came out, was outed in some ways and And it was difficult, you know, I mean, you know, my family has really strongly held beliefs and and their ancestors as well. And, you know, and so it was definitely a challenge and there was a lot of hurt that happened. And um, I think on both sides, honestly, um, looking back now in hindsight, but yeah, so I know what that feels like to struggle and wrestle with family and, and folks around you who may not understand, um, may be afraid of what this all means and and just don't know how to navigate it. And yeah, it can get really yucky. And what I would say, and, and I say this to people and I say, I preface it with, a, I know this sounds cheesy and this is not what you want to hear in the moment, but it gets better. I remember people saying that to me, you know, in these support groups with Trans Plus, you know, sharing about how difficult it was to to have conversations with family members when they would say, you know, we will never call you Sean. We will never be able to support this. We'll never be able to cross that boundary, you know, with their faith, with their religion. And so it has, it's been a challenge. And early on, I remember many of my friends, chosen family, people who I met along the way who were supportive of me, oftentimes they would say, well, why don't you just cut them out? Like cut them off. Why do you keep going back and like trying? And and I don't know that I can exactly answer that, but cutting off family never felt like the right thing for me, even though it was so hard. And we had so many horrible, awful, you know, conversations and you know, hurtful things were said and just so much of that had happened. And yet I just didn't want to, you know, leave my family and not saying we were, were like best pals and we're on wonderful deep terms right now, but like there has been some amazing relationship building that has happened in this eight to 10 years of my life um, where they have done a lot of learning and listening and and I have also tried to do that and try to hold this concept like that they can have these beliefs and that's hard and they can also love me and we can also still be in relationship even though they're never going to like show up to pride, but they're going to show up and they're going to have a relationship with me and my family and my kid and and that feels really good and important to me. So. I have so much advice that I would give to people who are, you know, either worried about their family not being accepted or who are actually going through that and trying to survive, whether they're younger folks who know that they're trans or non-binary and living with their family, you know, that are not supportive or are not safe to come out to. 
And I think just the biggest thing that I tell folks is like, find your people. It may not be your family. It may not be your parents. It may not be your siblings or biological family. Who are those people in your life, whether they're friends at school, coworkers, you know, whoever you play volleyball with once a week or whatever it is, like, those are the people that I just encourage folks to connect with and to build those chosen family relationships. Because if we're not getting that, like from our bio families, then it's like, we have to find it somewhere else. Because I just, I don't know how people can make it, you know, without the support and care of at least somebody in their life. So listeners, because I know that we get this question all the goddamn time. Two words from Sean, the trans educator of our area is it gets better and yes. find your people. And I mean, like those, that's the advice that we give on this podcast all the time, but really like that, that is what it takes. And I, I love the examples that you use, Sean, because that really can be it. It could be a stranger walking down the street who you're just like, hey, you seem like a cool person. I can't tell you how many people I've like just stopped and been like, hey, I love your outfit, you know, and then, you know, that can lead to something more. So there are ways to go about this that don't involve your bio family because it can be a really challenging thing. For sure. Yep. Find support where you can find it. Just really quick, Sean. I'm a trans woman. I come at the world through that point of view. And but I'm just curious to know, like, I've never walked the shoes of a trans man. And so can you give us sort of like, what you know, about the differences between like, being a trans woman versus being a trans man that isn't, you know, like the pretty basic stuff? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, for me, at least, early on in my transition, it was so important for me to be read as male in society. You know, I wanted people to see me as I knew myself to be after taking 27 years to get to that point. You know, it was like, okay, dang it. I know who I am. Now I need everybody to know who I am. And, uh, you know, I started testosterone and, you know, so I was experiencing some changes, um, like my voice was getting lower and some things like that. So it was like, I was just starting to feel like, oh, this is, things are connecting, like puzzle pieces I always talk about, like where it's just like, oh, I've been trying to fit that thing in there and now it's, <laughs> oh, oh, there it goes, you know? But yeah, I remember it was, it felt so important to me to pass. That's, that's the term that a lot of folks use and and I struggle with that now later in my transition, but early on that was super important. And, and I would get misgendered constantly and it was just, yeah, it's, it's hard early on because you're sort of trying to figure out how to navigate your life with this new sort of, I don't know, socialization. It's like, you're starting this new process of like re-socializing yourself in some ways, if that makes sense. And so I remember I went hard into some toxic masculinity for sure. I was like, I'm going to be that guy who like sits everywhere with my legs spread wide open. And like, just, <laughs> you know, like I remember, um, you know, around play to the tropes first. <laughs> that's right. Just like take up all the space and like uh, physically, but also like in spaces with people, you know, it was like people would look at me. Yeah. yeah there was a big shift in like people wanting to hear from me. And so like there, there was all of this privilege that immediately started showing up in my life. And I was like, I'm taking this, I'm, this feels good. Like, I mean, 
<laughs> growing up for that many years, you know, being socialized female and then being able to experience this male privilege that you, you know, hear people talk about. And it's, it's real. Like people that would not have listened to me were listening to me. And it was like, okay, wow, people are valuing me. Like this feels good. I feel seen and all of these things. And then it was like, okay, as I began learning and growing and Whew, uh, making a lot of mistakes along the way, learning how to do community work in a good way. I started seeing those things. They and and honestly, like my chosen fam and people who I was meeting would come to me and be like, "Hey, uh, that thing you just said was real messed up," uh, you know, and just yeah, like I didn't think about what that meant for me to like suddenly have all of this male privilege and it was totally like a selfish like yeah look at me I'm gonna take this and feel good about it and now I'm at a place where I'm like oh yeah I don't want any of those traits I'm like sort of trying to redefine what masculinity is for me and so far Right. What I've got is, you know, it looks like uh, me having a little baby goatee and a little mustache. And it looks like me <laughs> learning how to feel feelings and learning how to talk about my feelings. It looks like me being authentic and coming on to shows like this and, and trying to really be vulnerable and like talk about real stuff that's going on in my life. And I'm finding that people really connect and can relate with me about a lot of those things. And so, you know, you got to go through the, I guess, those younger years of thinking I knew what, what was what. And then later on being like, oh, no, that was so yucky. And I'm so glad that those people in my life were like, Sean, this isn't it. This isn't the path, you know, that you want to be on. And, and so, yeah. 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 You're lucky to have those people, but also, you know, what it was almost learning a brand new identity in a, in some ways, you know, that you you had to have that self-exploration. And it's amazing. I've watched both of you <laughs> go through that, uh, <laughs> learning, learning what a new identity looks like. And uh, I'm proud of both of you for finding your place in those things. That's um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, as a trans woman, I just want to quick touch on like losing a lot of that privilege was a really big deal to me and like i remember to this day the first time that i tried to take a hike out and you know as my authentic self i was like oh everything is terrifying in the world <laughs> like you know not only am i now a woman pretty a uh, you know a pretty common target but i'm also a trans woman so now i have two targets on my back and you know i remember shortening my walk much more than i normally would and coming home and just being like blah to my dad of like info dumping of like this is so strange to me of like i can't i can't just walk anywhere i can't just like you know like go out and hang out in the middle of the night and not worry about anything like i have to physically think constantly about all these things and so it i think of anything like that was one of the biggest shifts that we don't really talk about much is that kind of privilege shift yeah that's right. Yeah. And I, yeah, having experienced and grown up feeling that fear and like learning those things of like, don't go anywhere by yourself, go to the bathroom with a pack of your friends. So you're safe. Like 
walk with your keys in your hand to your car at night, like all of those things. And, and I think that I still carry those with me, you know, and, and so it is, it's interesting, like, you know, things that I would have like shied away from early on in my transition or deemed like too feminine. I'm like, actually, is that feminine or is that just like kindness and like communication, like basic things that I think like all humans should do, but like we define them as being like feminine to like be emotional. And it's like, wait a minute, don't all humans have emotions? (laughs) What? (laughs) Most, maybe. What? can our trans listeners get out of trans plus Minnesota and what kind of resources do you recommend um, for folks who are transitioning or, you know, just what, what is there out there? Great question. Yep. So trans plus uh, has been around for about seven years now and we're going through some transitions of our own where we're trying to grow and, and expand what we're able to do uh, in and for our community. And we started off only well, not I shouldn't say only, but our main focus when we first created Trans Plus uh, was support and offering support groups, and and that has expanded now from uh, meeting twice a month, two Tuesdays a month, to now just in the last year or so. Uh, we have another, a second support group that meets every Monday night and we're virtual right now just because of COVID and whatnot. But yeah, so that's sort of like our bread and butter support is like the main thing that we do through those groups and they are peer-to-peer run groups. So it's like just trans and non-binary folks getting together and sharing our stories and people ask questions and some folks who show up are brand new and have no idea they don't know if they are trans they're questioning and we welcome those folks as well and so yeah it's just a great way to connect and again just like hear other folks stories find what fits and connects with you and and then like our our community is so amazing in that people will like go with you hand in hand and be like okay you want to get on testosterone here are some of the steps here's a doctor here's this person or that you know and and the community has just always been that amazing like people just step up and are like okay i hear you sharing about an unsupportive family here's my experience with that and like how i dealt with that and it's so amazing so the support aspect of trans plus is like will always, always be a part of what we do. And we've also expanded. Um, things are a little different in COVID, but since our creation, um, we've expanded to, I sort of, the way I talk about it is like four different areas. So we've got that support area with support groups and folks meeting one-on-one and, you know, getting together and, and sharing that. Uh, and then we also offer education. So we started doing like trans 101 trainings where people just started asking us like can you come in and like teach our staff like what it means to be trans and like how we can be more inclusive in how we approach folks and and like let the trans community know that we're a safe place and so that is something I love to do I mean I love educating and teaching folks and trying to like build connections again with these mostly strangers who are Maybe they're like, I don't get this stuff and they're terrified or like, you know, like maybe they're just like, I'm never going to get this trans stuff. And it's like, I just really love connecting and and being like, what is that question? Like, what is, what are you thinking about that? And yeah. And, and people always feel so much better after they like learn some of the basics and that like most trans folks aren't out to be like, you made a mistake. You're an awful cis person. Like, no, like I make mistakes. (laughs) 
all the time. Like I mess people's pronouns up, like, yeah. and I just catch myself and I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's they, or no, this or that. Um, but anyway, so we've got support, education, as well as community is one of our big focuses. You know, we started doing and hosting community events, whether that was, you know, partnering with like the Feminist Action Collective. We hosted like a trans inclusive feminism panel night, you know, where it's like we bring folks together again, sharing stories, you know, there's an education piece behind that, but really it's about helping folks connect with more folks who are, you know, affirming, who are at least, you know, I I wouldn't say there's any perfect allies out there, but like folks who are trying, you know, like, again, it's huge to connect with community. Um, And then the final, the fourth area is resources, like resource navigation has been uh, such a huge part of like my advocacy within community because folks will reach out and be like, I'm about to get evicted. Like, what do I do? And then I try to connect them to like the safe housing person who knows housing stuff. Cause I don't know that. Right. So it's like through these connections I've been able to make, like we're able to, uh, and lots of other people too. Right. It's not just my connections. Um, but like, yeah, who knows who, who knows stuff about like unemployment, who knows stuff about addiction, mental health, like what, how do we connect our folks, our people, our siblings to like what they need? Uh, and especially if we can find like one person within this system, nonprofit business that like we know is an ally who is someone that they can safely access those resources. Because um, many of our folks have experienced harm and just outright discrimination going to these, you know, human resources type places. Um, and it's tough to see folks get turned away from those those places so yeah just connecting folks to resources that they need and so if folks are wanting to connect more deeply uh, with trans plus if they're interested in attending a support group or getting involved if you're trans non-binary two-spirit person um, anyone under the trans community like umbrella we want you to come and connect with us and show up at a support group or volunteer to facilitate one of those. Where can they find you, Sean? So you can find us on our website, uh, transplus.org. And that has a contact form that I always push folks towards. Like that's the best way to get in touch with us is through our website and through that email. Uh, And then we also have uh, built a pretty cool uh, social media following on Instagram as well as uh, Facebook. So folks can find us on both of those platforms. Uh, We have an email newsletter. So if folks want to get one or two emails a month telling you, here's our next support groups here are all these really cool community events that are happening that not only we are putting on, but like here's our trans friend musician who's performing at this place. And here's this drag show. And like, we just want to connect folks to, to more communities. So there's lots of ways to, to connect with us. Well, Sean, again, we had wanted you on the show from the very beginning. We're so glad that you could make the time for us tonight. Thank you so very much. And uh, I feel like I learned so much about your journey and thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. I know how much it takes to come on to our podcast and talk about your stories. So it, I really appreciate it. And I know that a lot of our listeners are going to really appreciate that second opinion and that second story. And, you know, not hearing a trans woman talk about her transition over and over and over again each week. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> mixing it up. No, I I just want to say thank you to both of you and and to everyone who is listening. Uh, it is definitely an honor and privilege, and I have loved being on the show with both of you, uh, and look forward to many more episodes. I'm usually listening in my car, laughing and driving my kid to daycare and. I love it. So thanks for what you both are doing. It is making a huge impact and it's really important. So thank you. If you have questions about transitioning or supporting someone who is transitioning and you'd like to talk to us about it on the show, please shoot an email to questions at transgenderpod.com, find us on social media, or hit the chat with us button on our website. Additionally, be sure to check out our episode description for links to resources on today's topics and also to check out Sean's social media and Trans Plus in general. Fantastic organization. Sean is a fantastic human. Please, please, please support these people they are fantastic thanks for listening i've been cam and i've been anna and this has been the transgender love you all except the bigots